everybody, Mac here, and welcome back in to the brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. Before I get started, I wanted to thank you all. Uh, whether you know or not, I just took about a month-long hiatus from doing this podcast. And it was really because I was so busy. Um, I'm so busy with work. My, my schedule is insane. You know, sometimes I leave the house at 5 a.m. and I don't get home till like 10 p.m. at night. Um, but I have been getting so many messages from everybody on Instagram saying, patiently waiting your return and can't wait until you get back. And uh, guys, thank you so much. I, I can't believe I was actually missed. And uh, here I am. So I want to give you a brand new episode. Um, it's funny, you know, so something I've been thinking about with this podcast is the future of this podcast and what I want to do with it, right? And I don't necessarily want this to be my life forever, you know? At some point, I do want to move on from narcissism. And um, I know that it's going to be a part of my life forever, what I went through and what I overcame. Um, but that being said, I don't know if I want to be the narcissist guy forever, um, the narcissistic abused person forever. I want to make it through this and uh, there's going to come a day when I don't know what the future of this podcast is. Um, and I've been taking the last month to kind of think about it, right? And um, it's weird because I've still like stayed active on Instagram and posting my songs of the day and, and posting memes and things like that. And uh, I can tell you in the last month, I felt kind of like something was missing and uh, almost like I didn't take my medicine for the last month. And uh, this podcast has been great for me. Personally speaking, this has been an, a tremendous outlet for me to talk about my feelings and where things are with my divorce and how I miss my children and all kinds of different stuff. Um, and also the thought has crossed my mind, right? Like I'm making it through this, although I'm not completely out of the tunnel yet. Um, but it's also crossed my mind, like, if I'm going to make this, if I'm going to get through this, I don't want to just be like, hey, I made it through. It's on you guys to like, you know, find your way out, right? I want to be here for you. Um, I want to be able to relate to you guys because it truly is like a daily dose of medicine for me to be able to communicate with you guys and to bounce ideas off of each other and say, yeah, I relate to you. I relate to you. I relate to you. Um, and I relate to all of you guys and I'm so fortunate that I do have this podcast and I have so many listeners all over the world. Um, it's still mind blowing. It still gets me choked up and, uh, I really appreciate the hell out of you guys. So I'm back, I'm back and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to contemplate the future of this podcast. Um, but it's not over and, uh, Thank you guys for reaching out to me and saying, I miss you. I'm patiently waiting for the new episode. Um, I'm, I'm beyond grateful for you. Um, so I'm going to get started with a little story here. Uh, I want to tell you guys a story about justice. And the reason I say it's about justice is I have shared in this podcast on prior episodes with guests and things like that, besides having my narcissistic ex, okay, I used to have a boss that was now what I know, extremely narcissistic. Um, this was the kind of guy that would, uh, like, for example, he took me to like giants football games and like, you know, like we would play fantasy football together and, uh, he would 
always kind of like sweet talk me and it was funny because like i used to say to this guy's face I'm like you need to run for mayor you need to run for like some sort of office because i would totally run uh, you know i would totally vote for you um but then like for the same token he would rip you to shreds if you made a mistake or this guy would um like throw you under the bus to like his superiors right and i left that job that was two jobs ago Okay, but I've stayed in really good contact with um, maybe like three or four people from that job who are still there or like they saw the light and they left because of this guy. And I left that position because of this guy. Um, so recently, just last week, I got a message. Oh, and, and another thing worth mentioning about this guy is my old boss used to embezzle a ton of money into the company and use us to do it. I'm not really going to talk about how he did that. Um but he was a crook. This guy was a crook and we knew what he was doing, but how he would kind of embezzle this money, uh, he would feed us a lie to, to help him do it. It's hard to explain, um, but just know that this guy was a crook. This guy was a crook. And I've, I've stayed in contact with some of these people from this old job. And um, this guy, just recently, I got a message from one of my friends and I literally jumped up in the air in New York City and I was like, yes. I recently heard he got fired and he got caught and uh, this guy was a total narcissist and it's justice because it wasn't until I removed myself from my necks that I realized that when I realized what I realized about narcissism, this guy was a total narcissist because he can bring you up and he can bring you down. He can bring you up. He could bring you down. And it was always like, well, how do I satisfy this guy? How do I, how do I get him to like me? How do I get him to not yell at me? And it was such a futile exercise in trying to get this guy to like you because his personality was always so unpredictable. Anyway, I got a message from a friend recently. He got fired. He got caught. And, uh, that's justice, man. It's always good when you hear uh, what goes around comes around for a narcissist. Um, I wish him nothing but the worst. I hope he gets what he deserves. I hope his life gets very difficult. And uh, it's a win for the little guys like us. Um, and I'm really, really happy about it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to tell that story. Uh, really, really happy about it. Um, when it comes to my life, you know, a month ago, I did an episode about mediation and uh, how we came to a settlement, right? And I also told a story about how my next would not sign the settlement until um, I paid the mortgage for a house that I haven't lived in in nearly a year. Uh, she, you want to talk about extortment, she extorted me for my mortgage again. And my lawyer said, listen, either you pay the mortgage now or... Um, you know, you don't get anything. <laughs> and uh, he's like, either you pay the mortgage now or you're going to spend the next two years, you know, paying $20,000, you know, trying to fight this. And he's like, you know, do it this one time and you'll be done. But you know what? I've heard that before. So, um, but now uh, I'm recording this. It is September 3rd. Uh, the mortgage is due again. Um, we still have not signed the official divorce settlement. Um, and so I got a notification the other day. School is starting. And uh, school is starting again in my area. My daughter is not yet in uh, kindergarten. So um, I'm still paying at the time. Last year, I was paying 100% of the daycare. Now, part of the settlement for the divorce is we are going to split the daycare 50-50. And she's inheriting the debt 
associated with the house. Essentially, she's just going to refinance the mortgage and get me off of uh, the payment for the house. However, because the divorce is not signed yet, in a month, nothing's really changed. She's still looking for another mortgage payment. And because the divorce is not settled, she also wants 100% of the daycare. It doesn't make sense. It's just off of a technicality. So I sent her a message and my credit card that is now declined because of my debt, um, she still wants me to pay 100% of the daycare and pay my 55% of the mortgage. So I got a notification from the daycare that said that your payment is due now that school is starting and my credit card that was on file for auto pay is also the credit card that would be declined. So I messaged my next and I said, hey, listen, um, with school starting, I'm not paying 100% of the daycare. I said, you will pay 55%. I don't care what the technicality says about the divorce. Um, I will not pay 100% of the daycare and I'm not paying your, your mortgage. And of course, that got her so fired up and she came back at me and she said, you know, you still owe your 55%. This is the consent order. This is the agreement. You can't break it. And I wrote back, I would rather get in front of a judge and have her to tell me that I have to pay it. Um, I, I'm going to fight that tooth and nail. I, like I, you know, I've, I've said in prior episodes, like I have been extorted for so much money. Hell, when that restraining order was placed on me months and months and months ago, I had to give her $3,000 just for her to drop the restraining order. Essentially, I paid for a restraining order to be put on myself. That's how crazy this situation has got with a narcissist. So I'm not, I'm not going to continue to be extorted for money. It's just not going to happen. Um, and if that means that I'm breaking the restraining order, I mean, I'm sorry, if that means that I'm breaking the consent order, so be it. Because, you know, I've gone through so much with my necks and she has not followed anything in terms of consent orders, best interest evaluations. Hell, at the time I'm recording this, okay, so uh, a couple of days ago, um, I had my visitation with my kids and I pulled up to the house and it was my son's first day of school. And my daughter came running out to see me, but my son did not. And he was... I could hear, I rolled down the windows from my car and I could hear my son crying. It was his first day of school and uh, he had not, you know, it was an adjustment, of course, and he had not seen my necks all day long. So he was crying. I could hear through the window. He was crying because like, I miss my mom. I miss my mom. And he didn't want to come with me because he missed my neck so much, which fair. Okay. Completely get it. So I yelled out, the window to him. I said, Hey buddy, I got a surprise for you. I had no idea what the surprise was for him. Um, but I was like, please just come out. I was like, we're going to have a good night. I promise you it's going to be fun. And he's like, I don't want to go. I miss mommy. I miss mommy. And I said, I understand. I understand. I said, I just want to take you to go get a happy meal. Can we go get a happy meal? I've talked about this in the past. I said, I just want to go take you to go get a happy meal. And I want to celebrate that it was your first day of school. So can we go out and celebrate? I'll get you ice cream. I'll get you a happy meal. Let's go out and we'll buy toys. Um, I bribed him, not going to lie. I bribed him, but I had to think of something because I wanted him and he really didn't want to come out. So ultimately he did come out and, uh, man, he was crying the whole way in the car to go and get the happy meal and stuff like that. And we got to, um, you know, uh, we got to, to McDonald's and I got him a happy meal and I got them ice cream and I took them. They, they, my, both of my kids to celebrate the first day of school. 
Um, I got my son like a fighter jet airplane set and I got my daughter like a cooking set. So they were happy. You know, I got them toys and I said, you know, we're, we're going to make this a tradition. You know, on the last day of school and the first day of school, we're going to make a tradition to celebrate. And I said, I'm so proud of you. Uh, you know, he's now in the first grade and uh, I'm so, so proud of him. And I was just, you know, by the end of that, he, he, uh, was okay. He was happy. Pretty much the whole time he was saying, I want to go back to mommy. I want to go back to mommy. And, um, on the way back, like I was like, okay, like I wasn't going to violate his trust because I told him after the happy meal, I'll bring you right home. And I was going to cut my time with them short, but it was funny on the way home. He wanted a fighter jet toy to play with. And on the way home, I was like, Hey, do you guys know that there is an airport near your home? And I was like, let's go check out the airport since you got your fighter jet toys. Let's go play with the fighter jet toys at the airport. And it's just this private, really small, rinky-dinky airport. Um, but we did. We went there and we watched the planes take off and stuff. Like, man, it was just uh, ingenuitive the way I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I was just kind of, uh, I wanted to move, you know, move on the go, you know, and I was like coming up with ideas on the go. Anyway, I took them to this airport. They were super happy. And, uh, I did get my full time with the kids. I was able to, to, to get my full time anyway. So the next day I was at work and I was in New York and, um, I wanted to make sure that he adjusted better the next day on his second day of school. So I FaceTimed him and I was like, Hey, how'd your second day go? And he's like, okay. He's like, you know, it was a little better. I was like, did you still miss mommy? He's like, yeah, I still miss mommy. I was like, I understand. I was like, Oh, I want you to know that I miss you. And he's like, no, I know. And I was, you know, I was talking to my daughter. I was like, I miss you too. And she's like, I miss you too. And she's like, I spent, uh, my daughter because her daycare hasn't started yet. She's like, I, uh, I spent the day at her grandfather's house and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, right? And um, so I, in my head, I'm thinking, I have the right of first refusal, okay? Yes, I'm at work. Yes, I'm at work in New York City. And my daughter spent her day in daycare with her grandfather, okay? But I have the right of first refusal. So before my next contacts her father to watch my daughter, she should contact me because I could maybe take off of work. I don't know. I'll make it work. If I can, I can. If I can't, but I get the right of first refusal, not my ex-father-in-law. So that's just one way she's violated the consent order, okay? Now, I also, on this FaceTime call with my kids yesterday, I said, what are your plans for the weekend? They said, we're going to Fireman John's Pool all weekend. Violation number two of the consent order, okay? When we did the best interest evaluation, the best interest evaluator said, we are not to introduce the kids to a paramour, okay? It's confusing. It's not right. I have, I've, I've shared many, many times on this podcast, I don't have any problem with Fireman John because something in my gut tells me he's a lot like me. You know, I think he's probably a lot like me. She's not going to prey on somebody who's weak. I don't want to call myself a pushover, but I think, you know, he's probably a lot like me and that's why she's preying on him, Um so that's violation two of the consent order. And, you know, when I did that episode weeks and weeks and weeks ago about my best interest evaluator, I shared with you guys that it was a almost a $2,000 retainer plus $325 an hour. So we're talking like $3,000 I paid for that best interest evaluator and she's not abiding by it. She thinks she makes the rules and she can do whatever the fuck she wants. So when it comes to this consent order and money, Money does not equal my ability to be a parent. It does not 
money does not hinder my ability to be a father. And not only that, but my kids love me. So her perpetually trying to keep the kids away from me or do what's not in the best interest of the kids. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not playing these games. You know what I mean? Like I have paid, it's funny, you know, um, I listened to that We Are The Champions song by Queen recently. And I heard that song, that line and he goes, I did my sentence, but I committed no crime. And that's how I feel. I've done my sentence, but I didn't commit a crime. The only crime I committed was against myself staying in a relationship so long when I should have left beyond all the red flags and I still stayed in it. Um, so she's not abiding by anything. And, you know, so here's another story for you. Um, my son is in football. Uh, and last year, my son played flag football. Okay, so all charges between my necks and I have to be agreed upon. Okay, so... Months ago, my next messaged me and said, can my son play football? And in my brain, I was under the impression that, yes, he can play football because last year was flag football, okay? I come to find now, it's not flag football, it's tackle football, okay? Um, and as a parent, you know, in 2022, knowing what I know about football, listen, I'm a huge, huge football fan. I, I'm an avid, avid football fan. However, I don't want my six-year-old playing a contact sport like football, knowing what we know now about concussions. And I've had, you know, lingering, that'll linger for the, my entire life. I've had football injuries um, that still linger from high school. So I don't want my six-year-old playing football. And beyond that, he doesn't, he has maybe less discipline than most six-year-olds have. So um, football requires discipline, okay? And... Yeah, it could teach him discipline, but the practices are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening for an hour and a half um, after a school day, and also they're during my visitation times, and I've also now found out that football games beyond the practices are on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., so every other Sunday when I get my kids for overnight stays, now I'm going to have to rush them out the door to go to football practice, or when I didn't, A, want him playing football, okay, and not only did I not want him playing football, but I don't want to pay for it because she's asking for $300 for football equipment. When this was never discussed, you asked me if my son could play football. The registration charge was maybe like a hundred bucks or something. I said, okay, fine. I paid the registration fee. And now there's all these other little things that get leaked out by the narcissist because she had an agenda for him to play football because really what it comes down to, and I swear this sounds so trivial, but maybe you'll relate. My next is obsessed with taking her pictures and her image on social media. The only thing she wants the only reason she wants my son to play football, and she's mentioned this when we were together, is because she loves that little bobbling head as it's running with the helmet on. So she wants to be able to post her pictures and say, oh, look at my tough boy on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And she wants to post the pictures of my bobbling son in his helmet. So, um, yeah. So she's trying to get money for that. And um, I think that's probably going to hold up the divorce because um, – Oh my God, a couple of weeks ago, she said to me, I said, listen, these charges were not discussed. I will not pay them. And my lawyer sent her lawyer a message and said, there is no record of her discussing any of these charges. She just signed him up and now she's demanding that he makes the payments. Um, so 
she's going to, I think she's, what she's going to do is she's going to hold up the divorce for these payments. And I kid you not. So we were having a, you know, I've come to notice, and, and this is probably again, not great advice, but I've come to notice that our family wizard messages really don't count for shit. Um, everybody tells you on our family wizard, like, be careful about what you say, keep it brief. If anybody's listening to this, um, I would appreciate some advice on, she can still trigger me. I can't, I can't get myself to not get triggered by her stupidity. <clears throat> um, yes, there are times I've racked up now 40 unread messages in our family wizard because I, you know, the tit for tat shit gets old and I just don't answer them. Um, but one of the things that she said to me on our family wizard was mind blowing. One of the things that she said is she said, relinquish your rights to the children because you cannot afford them. She said, sign papers that say you give up your rights to your kids completely because you can't pay for them. I was blown away that someone could be that calloused and cold and um, she meant it. Holy shit. She has no, she has no care for those kids. Those kids love me. Could you imagine say 10, 15 years down the road? If those kids say, why did daddy leave us? Because he couldn't pay for us. Holy shit. Like the, the thought process that these narcissists have is mind blowing. She thinks I would relinquish the rights to my children because she did not discuss the financial charges with me. And because of all this debt that I've accumulated, you know, with this divorce, you can't just spring $300 of charges on me. It's just not feasible. It's completely not feasible. So I cannot believe that she said that absolutely mind blowing. Um, but she meant it. She meant it. And, and that shows where her head is at because she actually in her brain thinks that these kids would be better off without me and any child psychologist or anybody that knows anything about you know child development knows that children need both parents children need both parents and and yes there are exceptions to this rule because there's a lot of people that are listening to this that have very dangerous uh, parents, you know, on one side. Um, but that being said, like my kids do not, and you'll never once hear me say that I'm trying to eliminate the relationship that my kids have with their mother, even though I don't think that she's good for them. Um, I think everything is done under the guise of her image. And, uh, but I would never, ever try and take those kids away. Although I do believe that they are not better off without her. Um, so yeah, that was, that was just mind blowing when she said that to me earlier this month. Um, yeah. And then we're just going back and forth on just little bullshit tit for tat type things. Um, but really it doesn't phase me too much. It really doesn't get to me. Um, I leave a lot of our family uh, wizard messages unread. Because what's the point, you know, I've, I've accepted the fact that there's no combination of words in the English language that will ever get her to understand things from my standpoint ever, ever. So it's such a futile effort getting angry and going back to her. But 
I'm still triggered by stupid shit that she says. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I mean, I'm still having a great time with my kids on these visits. Um, and beyond that, like, like I said, my life is just so busy. Um, my work schedule is so busy that this podcast is kind of just taken a backseat a little bit. Um, so yeah. Um, now one more thing I want to talk about is, um, I have been consulting with a bunch of my friends and I'm looking for somebody to speak, um, some acceptance into me. Um, and what I mean by that. So, with the mediation, I've mentioned I am not getting any equity in this house because the house has too many damages and there's no equity to give me. I am not getting um, 50-50 on a car that I purchased, which was like a forty dollars or $50,000 car. I'm not getting any money in that. I'm not getting any money out of this. And really what is holding up the divorce is they asked us to essentially do a draft of things that we want from the home. So I take this, you take this, I take this, you take this. But keep in mind, I have not been in that home in nearly a year. And because of all the trauma that I've gone through, I can't even really remember what my possessions are. Okay, like I know about little knickknacks like TVs or like Amazon um like speakers and shit that I would want or like all my my clothes that are left that she hasn't thrown out but they want us to do a draft of our stuff and the thing is is that there's nothing to hold her accountable to say like she could just say oh that's not there oh it's not in the house oh he took it one of the things that really gets under my skin is when she placed the restraining order on me I had 15 minutes to pack a suitcase and get out of the house and she is so adamant that I packed up everything I could possibly have wanted including like art and stuff that I had so like in that 15 minutes that I was leaving the home, she claims that I was redecorating and I was taking the thing like I like I saw this big picture that I would never be back in this house again. You know, like so I took everything I could have possibly wanted or um, it's funny. So I'm big into nostalgia things and getting my kids into like the things that are nostalgic to me from my childhood. And I bought this original N Nintendo system that literally has from like the eighties that has every Nintendo game on it. And it cost me about $200 to get that. And I want that so I can continue playing with my son and he likes those old school Nintendo games and stuff. And, um, he, she won't give it to me. She says I took it, uh, which I know I didn't. Um, there's just so much shit that she says that I took. So they want us to do a draft of the items in the house, but she lives there. So if I say I want anything, she's going to say, it's not here. It's not here. He took it. And there's no recourse because she doesn't have to give me any money for it. Um, so they said I can hire this retired police officer, which is $525 an hour to come into the house with me and do this draft. Right. But again, she's just going to remove things from the house when I get there. And you know what? $525 an hour is not what this shit is worth. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to get to a point where I'm okay with starting over. You know, like I think in the back of my mind, I ever since, you know, the divorce started, I always kind of in my, the back of my mind believe that like, okay, one day I'll get my shit back. Like one day I'll get money back and I'll get my kids back and I will get my possessions back. And, um, 
it appears that that's not going to be the case. And I've done a really good job of living now for 11 months with just the objects that I packed when I left that house. And of course I've accumulated stuff, you know, since then um, in terms of like I bought clothes and stuff, but I packed a suitcase, left the home and built off of that. And in the back of my mind, I believed that I was going to get things back. And apparently that's not the case. So I've been calling friends and I have tried to ask them to talk me through this where I can get to a place of acceptance that I will never have my old life back. I have to keep building on October 30th, 2021. That was ground zero and I have to keep building on that date. And it doesn't sound that bad. Um, it doesn't sound that bad. In fact, like... I almost like having a new wardrobe, my, I, you know, um, because I, I work in New York City. I kind of like the, the stuff that I've bought kind of reflects now the job that I have. And um, I think it's pretty cool. Like maybe my wardrobe didn't necessarily suit that image before. So um, I feel like my new clothes kind of reflect who I am now at this point. Um, but like all these little knickknacks and stuff, I got to just give up on and, and I don't like the thought of it. Um, so like I said, I've been calling my friends, trying to, uh, trying to get them to speak some acceptance into me. And, um, the other night I was laying in bed and I had this, I don't know if you'd call it an epiphany or just this thought that everything I have in life is because of me. All right. Everything I have is because of what I've done and everything she has in life is because of me too. Her life is because of me. I gave her the marriage. I gave her the kids. I gave her the house. I gave her the cars. I gave her the possessions. I gave her everything. And it's hard for me. I, I keep playing this kind of weird fence thing where it's hard for me to understand that I'll never get that shit back and she's keeping my stuff and it rightfully belongs to me. But there's also some solace that I can take in the fact of everything she has is mine, which pisses me off. But everything she has is mine and everything she has is because of me, um, not because she earned it, not because she, you know, it's she took it. And although the the stealing pisses me off, I could take some solace in knowing that she's got nothing good in life unless I did it for her, unless I gave it to her. So, um Maybe you can relate to that too because maybe your narcissist is extorting you or whatever it may be. Keep that in the back of your mind that you were the best thing that ever happened to them and they wouldn't have a life if it weren't for you. All right. You are more than you think you are. You are a better person than you think you are. And if you are like me and you have to start at ground zero, what a lucky place we're at. Because now we have this blank canvas that we can build on and we can make this life whatever we want and we can do it without their judgment. Who gives a shit what they think of us? We have the option of making this life whatever we want it to be. And personally speaking, I have no problems in life if it's not for her. I have no problems in life that she doesn't cause. And um, I can already tell you too, like, 
another thing that the court wants us to do, it's called a parental coordinator, which once the divorce is final, they want us to get this parental coordinator, which is another $450 an hour to monitor how we speak to each other. And um, I actually agreed to it during mediation and now I'm changing my mind because, and I'm only less than a year out of this, so maybe time will give me that indifference that I so badly need. But I don't want to pay for this parental coordinator for $450 an hour strictly because I can't afford it. And what difference is it going to make? There's no one that's going to hold her accountable. So um, this is this topic of the parental coordinator is surely going to come up in another episode um, because I know that that's something that she wants because she loves to play victim and say I'm speaking to her badly when the truth the truth hurts to a narcissist. So when you say something to them about like, Hey, you know, everything you have in life is because of me. She, she goes and says, Oh, you're disgusting and you're horrible. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I'm just speaking the facts. And she thinks that a parental coordinator for $450 an hour is going to get me under control. I'm under control. I'm speaking the truth and the truth hurts to a narcissist. So, um, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. I don't know. Um, so yeah, man, that's kind of where my life is at right now. Um, there hasn't, that's kind of been another reason why I've taken a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast um, is because there hasn't been a tremendous amount of um, developments. Um, really, the only thing is, you know, the day to day of how I feel about what's going on, um, which it's hard to, um, I try and stay busy so I don't think about, you know, the magnitude of what goes on. Um, I very rarely get like super, super depressed anymore, rarely, but I do get uncomfortable or, um, lonely. I admit I get a little lonely sometimes. Um, but I am surrounded by people and, uh, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad for the support that I've gotten through this podcast, through friends, through family, um, people are constantly reaching out to me. How you doing? What's new? What's going on? Let's hang out. And I'm just, um, so busy. I keep saying over and over. I'm so busy. I'm so busy with work, um, with my kids, with dating. Uh, I'm very much in the dating scene and I've met some really great women. Um, life is good. Life is good outside of narcissistic abuse. Um, so kind of where I stand now. Um, I'm glad that I got to get back on the mic here and share where I am with you guys. Um, I am still looking for episodes. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, please email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. Please don't forget to follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. And uh, please rate, review, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. And Guys, until next time.